On this episode of the Buzz on Business, Ryan Gabriel sits down with founder of Everyman, Bryson Baker. After getting three degrees at OSU, Bryson wanted to create a one-stop shop for men's needs. They talk about Bryson's time at OSU, how every man began, and the life of an entrepreneur. Welcome back to the Buzz on Business. My name is Ryan Gabriel, and today we have a great guest with us. He's a Stillwater native, OSU alumni, and owner of one of Stillwater's finest establishments, Everyman. Welcome, Bryson Baker. Bryson, thank you for joining me on the podcast yeah, today. Yeah, man, that was, a, that was a great introduction. I love that. I appreciate it. How are you doing? Uh, better than I deserve, for sure. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing great. So starting off, can you kind of skim your resume for me? Um, talk about starting at your undergrad all the way till right now. Yeah, so certainly probably a non-traditional approach to my college career. I started off wanting to be a doctor. I was doing the pre-med thing, majoring kind of undeclared, but focusing in biology. Got to about my sophomore year and my uh, advisor told me I needed to take a humanities credit. And after asking what that was, she started listing out some courses. One of the courses she grazed by was a acting class. And I remember just kind of chuckling to myself like, that's not a thing. People don't go to school to act. You know, that's so silly. I'll take that. Sounds like a joke of a class. Let's take that. And so I took that my sophomore year um, and fell in love with acting. Uh, It it was challenging me in every way that math and science wasn't. I like to say it like this, like math and science, you're solving the equation. Like there is a answer to X by the time you get to the end. And uh, acting is almost the complete opposite. It's about how thoughtful of a question you can ask. The answer doesn't even matter sometimes. So had too much math and science, graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in liberal studies, went back, got a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting, and then kind of my appetite for performance still wasn't clenched, quenched, I should say. And so I went back and got a master's degree in theater. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of my collegiate career, as it were. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Congratulations on the success. Yeah. So how does theater really relate to entrepreneurship, which you're in right now? How did you get from there to there? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Sometimes it's hard for me to connect the dots, but I I can, I can. So, you know, I, I got these degrees and the plan was to take those and go to California and pursue acting. You know, a lot of people kind of have that, that pipe dream. And it was certainly one, one I had, uh, I met my wife. Um, she had some medical medical conditions that required her to stay in Oklahoma. I was in Stillwater. Um, I took a job at Best Buy. And at the time I was in graduate school working on one of the hardest roles I've ever done in Steven Dietz's Lonely Planet. I was playing this character, Jody. And then at the same time, I was grand opening this uh, Best Buy here in Stillwater. And uh, I was starting to notice a kind of a strange overlap for me. You know, the ways that the acting was opening me up as a person those same skills were kind of beneficial in the business world and were kind of making me a creative with a little business savvy. And so I did that. And then I got the opportunity to interview for a job here at OSU again, uh, when they were going to grant to open the new student union, they had an idea to have kind of a technical um, area of the student store. They weren't exactly sure what it looked like. And so in 2011, I was able to interview and get that job and over five years build what is now Orange Tech. So that was kind of my first baby. And I got to build that from the ground up. And that really started to illustrate to me that, man, my education in art and really my education in creating, right? Because that's what we do as actors, has a lot of playability in the business world. And so it got the wheels to turn in. Awesome. 
So talk to me a little bit about Orange Tech. How did you start that? And then how did that bleed over into your company now, Everyman? Yeah. So, you know, the idea there was that, you know, OSU wanted to sell computers, right? I mean, pretty simple. But I, you know, coming from Best Buy, having been given some liberty in that work environment, it became very clear to me that we could do something more. We could build like a store inside the student union that really retailed technology and just didn't just sell Apple laptops. And so that was kind of the genesis of that. And then over five years, I got to build just an incredible team and start to work with departments all over campus and and really kind of build the brand and build the revenue. While I was doing that, it became very clear to me that I wasn't moving to California. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, you know, in talking with the wife I had, and you're too young, you might not remember this, but the first Mac books that came out were like the white clamshell ones. Yes, do you remember actually, these? I do remember this. Yeah, yes. So I was, you know, I had one of these that I bought my freshman year of of college back in the early 2000s. And I remember sitting at the dining room table, I was working at Orange Tech and I thought, man, okay, I'm in Oklahoma. Didn't plan to to stay in Oklahoma. Here I find myself. And I thought, man, if I could, if I could choose, if it were up to me and I could choose, what would I do? Like with these hours of life that I have, like, what am I going to do? And uh, I remember opening up my laptop and I typed out this thing. I had just read the morality play that's called the summoning of every man. Sometimes people abbreviate it and call it every man and it's allegorical in nature, but it, it chronicles this character, every man, which really represents everyone. And he comes into contact with characters like God and death and greed and things like that. And so I opened up my MacBook, I typed out in a, in a pages document and I wrote every man at the top and below it, I wrote a place that elevates coffee, alcohol, menswear, barbering with the underpinning and an appetite to give back. And that was it. That was the start. And so that was 2000, probably 12 ish. And that was kind of the, the genesis. So at the same time, I was doing Orange Tech with three degrees two of which are in performance, I opened up that document and started. So yeah, well, yeah, it's everything a guy needs. So I love that idea. So talk about really starting that idea and bringing it to what it is right now. What were the steps and what was the sacrifice that came with that? Yeah. So I think the, the hard part is the start, right? Sometimes like, where do you even start? So for me, you know, and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs in particular, I think you'll always do better in my experience if you have too little. You know, I, I don't see a lot of innovation coming out of people who have tons of resource. Right. And so I didn't have anything. And so I thought, man, what, <laughs> what am I going to do? And so I saved up a thousand dollars, which was a ton of money. And I bought uh, my first set of neckties because that's all I could afford to buy wholesale. And I worked out a deal to sell them in a barbershop downtown. And that's how we started. You know, every month we'd sell a $18 tie and we would jump on the couch and celebrate. Oh my God, go. we sold, yeah. <laughs> and so from then it just became a matter of intentionality. What can I accomplish today? I was working here at OSU at Orange Tech. My wife was continuing to get more and more sick. And so what can I do today? And sometimes it was something dumb. LLC, what is that? How do you create one? Who do you file that with? Sales tax, what is that? How do you remit it? Workers, just day in and day out, just committing to what can I teach myself today? You know, during that time, we moved from the barbershop to a children's store because we could afford $100 of rent, I thought. And so we expanded a little bit there. And then we moved into a women's store where we paid $350 a month, which was oh crazy. Oh, too, I was way so, too much. Oh, <laughs> way too much. I was so terrified. And so we did that. And then in 2016, we felt like we were ready to take 
take what would be our biggest risk to that point. And that was um, giving ourselves four years to kind of prove the concept. And so in 2016, we signed a lease for 713 South Main, which is where we are now, and gave ourselves four years to see if it would work. And so we moved in there in 2016 and started trying to make it work. There you go. Well, it's working so far. So far it's working. Yeah. So I know we talked before the podcast, actually this idea of entrepreneurship, and you had this comment that if somebody came up to you and wanted to be an entrepreneur, you might steer them away. Why is that? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because, um, I think right now entrepreneurship's cool, uh, you know, which I think is awesome. Like, exactly, I think exactly. it's, it's awesome. that entrepreneurship is cool. When I first started, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it was starting to be. And I think, you know, if you would have told me, you know, we're at the precipice of our grand vision, right? We're moving and we're going to develop this 15,000 square foot building. I think it's going to be just a beacon of light for Stillwater. It's going to be experiential in nature and it's going to be a staple of the community. If you would have told me it would have taken me a decade to get there, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I might have been like, not worth it, man. I'm out. So there's just so much sacrifice involved and entrepreneurship just has to go past putting entrepreneur in your Instagram profile. Of what course. does that mean? Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes I don't know if people are worth are, are willing to, to go through the pain and the sacrifice. It's tough. It's very tough. No, and I actually absolutely agree with you. So talk about kind of your success in entrepreneurship. What got you there? Were there any books that you read? That you're just like, absolutely, you need to read this in order to be successful. You know, I was, I was looking because I knew you were going to ask that at my Goodreads on my phone. And right now there's more books on my, I want to read list than my red list over the past Same couple here. of years, which I'm, I'm disappointed in myself, but I'll get there because I, I desperately love reading. You know, I, I love to read play scripts. You know, this is going to sound kind of weird, but you know, acting is an exercise in empathy, right? You know, next time you're watching a movie, watch how much of the camera is focused on the person listening like you right now. This is more interesting me watching you listen than me talking. Right. It's more interesting. And so, you know, I love to read play scripts because when you read play scripts, play scripts, people go to the theater to see non-ordinary events in life. And when you see and are exposed to non-ordinary events in life, it opens you up as an individual. You you at least gain a perspective of what other people are going through, other perspectives, how other people view the world, what their lens is. And I found that reading that and coming into contact and, you know, coming into collision with different characters, even in plays, is incredibly beneficial because in the business world, guess what? You run into so many different characters, right? And I found that when I sit in rooms like this with you guys, when I sit last yesterday, I was in, in the office of a vice president of a bank, right? Uh, I find myself uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in a brewery talking with the owner, like, so all these different environments, all these different people with different experiences. And so I found that play scripts are really helpful. Now, that being said, play scripts are the only bit of fiction I read. I dwell in the nonfiction. So I would just say, People should follow me on Goodreads for my list. But if I could mention a couple, Good to Great is a staple. Um, right now, I'm finishing up Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Very, very good. Yeah, just really like the context of that. Like, hey, listen, not only does what's inside your head matter, your brain, but it also contextualizes the time in which you live. That matters too. And so, yeah, I think everybody should be a reader. Leaders are readers. I like that quote a lot. And that's something I'm definitely working on. I definitely read a lot in the past and school kind of, Abrupted that a little bit, but we're getting back into the habit. So you know what? I'm going to offer you this because somebody mentioned this to me when I was in college, and I laughed at them. They said, "Bryson, right now, I was in college. You have more disposable time 
than you will ever have in your life, that is including <laughs> retirement. And I remember laughing, saying, you don't know. You don't know the deadlines and the lines I need to memorize still. In the-. And now I look back and I, oh man, they were so right. They were so right. Yes, I had so much free time and I didn't even know it. So read. Okay, all about prioritizing your schedule. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So talk to me a little bit about every man's next steps. What is your goal for that? What does that look like in the next five to seven years? I love it. Uh, so, you know, I mentioned before we signed that lease at 713 South Main here in Stillwater for four years. We were going to give ourselves four years. We're, we're just past five. So we've been there. We've overstayed our welcome, if you will. But uh, a little something happened, you know, uh, COVID. And so that kind of, yeah. And so that kind of delayed things. So uh, a lot of things in our future, um, I think, the first thing I would mention is just what you can see. So, you know, building and developing our new property in Stillwater will be huge. We're finally realizing the goal I set out when I opened up that map book 10 years ago and building a place that's for everybody. So we're rebranding. Um, we're moving to EM will be kind of our new nomenclature and talking about the business and really elevating Stillwater's culture in all the areas we operate with the addition of alcohol. So we will operate Stillwater's best bar. We'll have the best spirits and cocktail program. We'll have a full service bar with Stillwater's widest selection of spirits on the first floor. And then we'll have a rooftop bar and lounge as well that will really cater towards college students. And so that I think is what people can see. Now there's a lot of things people can't see that over the next, you know, five to 10 years, we will scale kind of hopefully exponentially. So one of those is everymanshop.com, which is kind of our e-commerce platform. We offer such a wide variety of products. So pushing that e-commerce platform will be big for us. Um, Weddingsbyeveryman.com. So we have a wedding business that operates all over the state. Um, We've grown by double digits every year for the past three years. So we hope to expand into the region Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, that kind of thing. Barbering by every man continues to expand. Uh, we, we're already talking in a couple of communities about other locations. Don't want to franchise, but uh, we're looking at other locations. And then the stuff that's near and dearest to my heart is, is the way we give back and infuse ourselves into our community. So we have several initiatives that we've already started. Barber for Good is one of those. We fund a micro loan every month from somewhere between 50 to $250 for a barber in a third world country. So actually just yesterday we funded a Yesian in Nicaragua needed a new pair of shears. And so we loaned him 150 bucks so he could get a new pair of shears. So, uh, so far to date, we've made $2,000 worth of loans, which is great. I would love to see in the next five to 10 years that grow to a six digit number. I think that would be impactful. Um, we started an initiative called Omnibus where we position cabinets in the Stillwater community where people can take what they need and leave what they can to kind of address the, the food needs in Stillwater. And then recently on Monday, we started a new initiative with our daily bread, where we show up once a month and do free haircuts for the underprivileged here in Stillwater. And so those are the things I think that will drive my efforts over the next five to seven years as I empower our team to really hone in and develop on the business side. So I love that. So when you wake up every morning, is that really the side of the business that drives you the most or what is that part? You know, uh, you know, I should mention this. So in, in building this business, it was important for me to take about a year and study coffee. So I did that made nice, nice with all the coffee, uh, roasters in the state did the same with alcohol. So I'm first name basis with all the distilleries. There's not a bunch in Stillwater brewer in the state breweries, tailoring menswear, and then barbering was always going to be my last step because it's going to take the longest. So I'm actually in barbering school right now. And so when I wake up every morning, I put on black, which is my least favorite color, and I get my butt to barbering school because that's kind of closes the loop on areas I feel I need to be proficient in. But 
to answer your question more directly, when I kind of look into the future, I look at my day to day more as what can we do to give back? You know, I have, I have zero aspirations of uh, stacking up big piles of money and, and swimming in them. Right. I just want to give it all away. And so it, if it were up to me and hopefully in the future, I build a business that allows me to do that. So. So talk to me a little bit about your scheduling. What does that look like? Because when you look at YouTube or any type of social media, you often see these entrepreneurs, they're waking up at 4 a.m., they're going to work out, and they're in bed by like midnight, and then the process starts over right over again. Right. Does that, is that actually what your schedule looks like, or what does that look Man, like? I really, really don't want to be a, a stereotype here, but uh, you know, it's tough. It's really tough. You know, I'm married. I have a, a seven-year-old who desperately loves daddy's attention. Um, and, and I desperately love his attention. He's amazing. So it, it's definitely a balancing act. I right now am probably living the most unhealthy probably I have. I'm embracing it for a season. So in general, here's my approach to scheduling, be efficient with your time. And so that means for me, whatever I'm doing, I'm all in. So I'll give you a couple of examples, you know, on the day to day, I schedule myself in 15 minute increments. All right. So I generally will wake up around five and I will be, I'll show you my calendar whenever we, uh, gotcha. <laughs> so you can see, but Appreciate it. I just want to be efficient. And so I wake up at five and then I may go till midnight. I may go till two. Um, I may do that. So I guess I kind of fit that you stereotype, fit stereotype a little bit, right? You know, you, I traded the nine to five thing here at OSU with stability and retirement and it shuts off at five for working twice as much for half as much. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, but on the other side, you know, tomorrow afternoon at one, after I teach my class here at OSU, I'm going to go to Florida for two weeks and I will be just as committed to vacationing hardcore as I am for working hardcore. And so that helps me free up headspace and, and, uh, come back refreshed and things of that nature on that trip. You know, my phone will be on my bedside table and I won't come back to it, um, till the next probably 12 hours later. And I'll be unapologetic about it. There will be customers that were like, I couldn't get a hold of you. There will be employees. This went wrong. And that's just how it'll have to be. I'll be unapologetic about that. So I got to be committed both ways. Hardcore on the work, hardcore on the relaxing, or else you live in the gray and nothing, nothing happens that's good there. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And I know we talked before, you said that entrepreneurship, you have to be a little bit uh, psychotic to be an entrepreneur. You know, that's definitely, that statement? Yeah, that's definitely an anecdote I've said and heard and think it's true. I, I think the quote goes something like this to get to where nobody else is. You have to be willing to do what nobody else does. Right. And most people don't do what I just described. Right. Which is fine. That's fine. I think there's definitely a little bit of neurosis involved with entrepreneurs sometimes. I mean, you have to be because nobody yeah. else is going, your employees are never going to care as much as you. They're just not right. So you as the vision setter, I mean, you have to be a little bit, a little bit crazy. Yes. No, I totally agree with that. And as somebody like myself, actually starting a business at 17, what advice would you have for me as somebody who wants to start a small business and grow that in the future? 17. Congratulations. Thank yeah. You. That makes me feel desperately behind. Uh, <laughs> well, it didn't work out, but <laughs> that's all right. But, but you tried, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's my only advice. Just try. Just keep doing it. Yes. Just keep doing it. I mean, there's um, you're 17. My goodness. You, you can do what I've done like five times over and still not be right and be fine. That's very true. So I think, you know, one of the things I've noticed sometimes when I talk to younger people is just the desperate fear of being wrong. You know, there was this article I read about, uh, Gen, Gen Z, yes. right. Gen Z yes. and about, uh, it was a Netflix article and it was about how we have endless options and Netflix tracks all this data and scrolling for like up to 20 minutes is super common. 
right? That's fascinating. Do you have, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? No, cause I do it. Okay. <laughs> so. See, I don't see. I, that's a generational thing, right? I, I don't care if I make a bad choice. Like I scroll for two seconds. I'm like, that looks interesting. I'll try it. And I'm okay. If it sucks. Really? I'm okay. Yeah. If that's it sucks, it sucks. Right. Yeah. So try do it. It's okay. If you're wrong, it's okay. If it sucks. Just keep doing it. Yeah. No, because I have to get the perfect show at the perfect time. Oh, I don't man. know. But it's just the generational if, thing. If you would have followed me from 10 years ago, you would have been able to personally document countless mistakes and why'd they do that? And the website looks stupid and why'd they post that on Instagram and that price makes no sense. And oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. If you're going to dwell on every single one of those, you will be just paralyzed by inaction. And yes. so I would just say, go. What's the next thing? Go. What is the next thing? Um. So right now, I don't know, but I'm... Trying to figure that out. We're brainstorming. We got some ideas. We'll see what happens. So ideas. There's this quote. The uh, Oklahoma City Children's Museum. Big quote when you go in, and I love it. And it's, if you want to have a good idea, have a ton of ideas. I love that. That's it. Yes. Right? So that's me. I've had so many bad ideas. My wife would tell you. but <laughs> I, have I have to. But I have a lot of them. No, actually, for one of my classes, we have to do this creativity journal. And each week, we have to have 15 new ideas for companies that Smart. we would start. And so I think I'm at 75 right now or something like that. Good. So maybe one of those will work out. Maybe. Maybe not. And that's all right. That's right. Yeah. You got 70 more behind it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So one thing we actually do on this podcast is lightning round questions. Okay. You've not been prepared for this. It'll be about 60 seconds of this or that questions. So I say this or that. Uh, yes, basically. Okay. So, All right. I'm ready. Starting off hot brewed coffee or cold brewed coffee. Oh goodness. Hot, hot. Gotcha. Tie or bow tie. Bow tie. Because most guys don't know how to tie it. I am one of those guys. <laughs> I do. We'll have to teach you that. There you go. Business casual or business professional business professional. I love suits. I do too. Beach or mountain? Beach. Same here. OSU football or OSU basketball? Football. There you go. And last one, sweet or savory? Oh, oh, <laughs> God, sweet and savory. I have a sweet tooth. My dentist would tell you that. So it has to be sweet. There you go. Yes. Well, Bryson, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I uh, learned a lot from you. And awesome, had a great time. Man. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to another episode on Buzz All Business. Give us a follow at OSU Entrepreneurship or Spears Business OSU. Hello, I'm Ken Eastman, Dean of the Spears School of Business and host of the Bowtie Bonus. This podcast episode with Bryson Baker has the secret message for task number two of the Bowtie Bonus. Once you have the code word, go to the link that we posted on social media or in our Instagram bio and enter the code word and your email. Okay, are you ready for the secret message? What is Bryson Baker's least favorite color? You think you know it? Go tell us the code word to continue on to the next task. Good luck.